We are honored to hear two keynote speakers, François Meret, who is the ICAFON president and professor of museology at Université Sorbonne Nouvelle in Paris, followed by Alice Sadongi, who is the chair of the Partnership of Native Americans, board member of the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum, and project coordinator for the American Indian Language Development Institute at the University of Arizona. Hello. Good morning to everyone. Um, it's the afternoon in Paris. I'm very pleased to, to be here with you uh, as ICOFAM president. I, I should give you a couple of words concerning the birth of the International Committee of Museology. It was founded in 1977, and uh, its first president was Jan Jelinek, who uh, was before the ICOM, uh, the president of ICOM uh, during uh, the, the previous term. He was a very famous uh, anthropologist. He founded a museum, and uh, he had um, in mind the idea of um, uh, professionalizing the muses, I would say. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why uh, ICOFOM was created, in order to develop the theory and, of course, uh, the training of museum professionals. Actually, 1977, it's also the birth and the inauguration of the Centre Pompidou in, in Paris. It's two generations ago. It's such a long time, somehow. Um, and 1977, um, it's also not so far from the revolution of May uh, 68 in, in Paris, of course, all around the world, but especially also in Paris. At that moment, um, one of the books that was written a um, couple of months um, before was the, the one uh, written by the sociologist Pierre Bourdieu uh, on the um, public of uh, European art museums, and he explained um, the huge difference between the elites um, who was visiting uh, the museums and the other people who were not visiting uh, these museums. Actually, uh, it's at that moment, a couple of years after, in mostly around 1971, uh, that a huge crisis on museums all around the world um, emerged, especially in ICOM. And one of the solutions that was given, of course, was um, uh, to propose uh, the museum to play a more social role. That's one of the possibilities. A second possibility that was, um, I would say, challenged by the uh, ICOFM committee was to um, develop museum theory in order to better, to give some better answers uh, to the museum sphere and, and to museum professionals. So, Actually, um, a lot of museologists all around the world try to, to, to meet and to discuss about uh, the foundation of, of museums. But above all, it was also a moment uh, where actually uh, museum studies and museology were not so much teached uh, in, uh, at the university. So one of the first challenges was to, uh, to develop muse uh, museum studies or museology as an academic discipline. And that was one of the very important uh, topics for the, the committee, especially for the people from the um, eastern countries, uh, for instance, Vinev Stransky or uh, Jan Jelinek, Vinov Shovka. But of course, there were also some uh, uh, 
French-speaking people, such as uh, Georges Rivière, who was the director, the first director of ICOM, André de Vallée, uh, in Latin America, Vadisa Rusio, uh, and somehow also in United States, uh, some people who were very much interested, but there was already at that moment a kind of big gap between um, museum studies or museum theory uh, 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 seen from uh, United States and Anglo-Saxon countries and seen from the Eastern countries or uh, French uh, and, and Latin countries. It's important to remind that at that moment, Europe was separated in two blocks. Uh, of course, you had the, the, uh, the Eastern part, which was under the uh, domination of uh, the USSR. And it's, it was also uh, um, a major opportunity for uh, museologists from uh, European uh, Western uh, countries uh, to hear and to, to get some views um, on what was museology in uh, such countries as Czechoslovakia, uh, of course, Russia, uh, Poland, etc. And it was for most of them a kind of revelation uh, to see that at that moment, um, museology was started, uh, starting to be developed as a, um, a science as a, a potential science, I would say. So it was one of the foundation of ICOFOM to try to develop um, this theoretical point of view. And one, of course, of the um, uh, possibilities, one of the tools in order to develop it was to publish uh, uh, thoughts around the world uh, on museology. The first uh, journal that was published was Museological Working Paper. The second one, um, that still exists is the ICOFOM study series that was launched in um, 1982, as far as I remember, and now we are on number uh, 46. All of these uh, journals are online, available online on ICOFOM website. It's also very important to um, realize and to remind that, that, that at that moment, museums were much more focusing on research. And it's very important also, uh, in order to understand the museum definition, that it was focusing on research. Uh, research was really the center of the museum uh, for Riviere, of course, for most of the people in uh, uh, national museums, and of course also in, in most of the museums in, in Eastern countries. So, um, research was fundamental for museums, while it was even, of course, more fundamental for museologists. And one of the, um, I would say, the activities on, on, of ICOFARM was to think about a common language uh, to speak about museums and museology. So that was one of the reasons why in uh, 1993, um, museologists started to speak uh, to, to, to develop a thesaurus of museology, a, a thesaurus of basic terms uh, of museology. The, uh, it was at that moment Martin Scherer, who was the president of, I, uh, of ICOFAM, and he asked André de Vallée, a uh, French museologist, to uh, start this uh, thesaurus. I was uh, associated to that, um, uh, that uh, uh, proposal uh, a couple of years after, in, in the year uh, 2001, as far as I remember, and um, we 
immediately started to think about the museum definition, especially because ICOM at that moment, especially in, in, in 2004, was launching a new revision of its uh, ICOM museum definition. So that's, for the that's the reason why um, uh, in the symposium of Calgary in 2005, we had a complete symposium on the museum definition, and then we published um, uh, first uh, book on, it was published in French, uh, it was called Vers une redefinition du musée, towards a new definition of the museum. That was um, translated and published in English in 2010, What is a Museum? It was published in, uh, in Munich uh, by Müller-Straten. That was the first step in order to try to uh, discuss about uh, the museum definition and the basic concept, uh, concepts of, of museology. The second step was to think about the key concepts of museology. Um, this small booklet uh, that is available on ICOM website in, uh, I think, 10 translation. It was translated in, it was first written in French, then translated, of course, in English and Spanish and Chinese. It was presented at that moment um, in the ICOM conference in, in China, in Shanghai, in 2010, and then it was already translated in Latvian, Czech, Russian, etc. Um, this small booklet uh, tried to give a kind of complete uh, definition of among 20 basic terms of museology. Um, that was the first, I would attempt, of a bigger um, uh, endeavor of uh, the museum committee, which was the publishing of the Dictionnaire Encyclopédique de, de Museologie, the Encyclopedic uh, Dictionary of Museology, that was published in, in 2011 in French, only in French. Only in French because actually, and that's one of the major challenges, um, it's very difficult somehow to uh, try to uh, translate uh, these terms first, and also it's very interesting to uh, realize how a language can influence the way of thinking on museums or on museum studies or on museology. For instance, the dictionary in, in, in French and the key concepts of museology were gathering, as I said, uh, 20, well, actually 21 terms such as architecture, collection, ethic, education, management, exhibition, but also uh, very difficult terms to translate in English, such as museal, I would say the museum fields, or musealization, um, of course, museum object, etc. For instance, these, uh, the selection, of course, of these different terms was um, uh, a, very big discussion among, uh, of course, the, the, the committee for, uh, for museology. And definitely it would have been different if it has been thought uh, directly, I would say, and only in, um, in English. If we just look at uh, one of the uh, most um, uh, classical, I would say, uh, museum uh, handbook, which is Museum Basics, uh, published by Routledge, um, we could see that, of course, there are some uh, common uh, concepts, such as, of course, museum collection or building, etc. But some other ones, such as uh, the concept of learning, of uh, fundraising, of sponsorship, of community, of social inclusion, etc., that 
would certainly be more uh, considered uh, as somehow more important than other ones. So it's in this global context that in uh, 2016, at the ICOM conference of Milan, um, it was proposed uh, to think and to, to, to start the, 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 the process of re reinventing the definition of the museum um, for ICOM. Since the creation of ICOM in 1946, it's already the seventh uh, time that the definition was uh, changed. The last change occurred in 2007, and as I said, uh, the, the, the discussion started in 2004 until 2007, but most of the, uh, of the discussion were only through Internet. They were animated by uh, Gary Edson, um, and most of the people were uh, reacting in, in English, which means that most of the people who did not speak in English um, for instance, as you know, French-speaking French uh, people do not speak very well in, in, in English, uh, which means that most of them uh, were not responding to the, to the Internet conference, I would say, somehow. And it was more or less the same with a lot of people uh, coming from Eastern countries, but also from Latin America, etc. So it meant also that it was a, uh, there was a kind of big BS uh, on this discussion, and that's the reason why uh, in 2016 it was decided to create a new way of considering uh, that museum uh, definition process. Um, the objective is to present a new definition in 2019 for the uh, uh, Kyoto uh, conference. So that's the reason why a standing committee on the uh, museum definition was coordinated by ACOM uh, with um, Jette Sandal uh, from uh, Denmark uh, as president, and she created different um, uh, groups all around the world with um, having in mind that there is a, a world representation of different uh, uh, trends on museums um, in order to uh, organizing uh, a better understanding of what was changing in museums concerning the geopolitics, globalization, uh, inclusion, cultural democracy, etc. Um, this, um, this group, uh, I was also uh, nominated in, the, in, in that group, that group uh, decided to, 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 to meet uh, several times and of course will uh, present a, a report uh, at the end of that year. Uh, to uh, the executive committee uh, of ICOM. But ICOM had the idea, as you, were, you, you could understand, that it was very important for them to react also. Because as ICOM is the, the theoretical committee uh, of, of ICOM somehow, um, we had in mind that it was very important for us to try to discuss about the museum definition in um, the most possible languages different uh, in the world. So we started uh, in, in Paris uh, last year, not in 2014, but in 2017, uh, in the Paris con uh, conference. Most of the discussion were in French, so that was the first book. Uh, but it then continued um, 
uh, as Susie spoke about it uh, previously, uh, there were some uh, conferences organized in uh, uh, Rio de Janeiro, in uh, Argentina, uh, in Scotland, uh, in Beijing, in, in China, and each time that was uh, one of the results uh, from the, 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 these conferences, uh, but each time uh, it was discussed, the museum definition was discussed in another, in another language. And that's very important to give the, uh, the ability to, the, the, to, to, to most of the museum professionals to think um, locally uh, with their own language on what is a museum and what are the functions, but also what are the, are the missions of a museum. So in 2018, the, the, the process continued in Louvain, in Leuven in Belgium, in Kaunas in Lithuania. Now we are in September, of course, uh, in the United States. It will continue in Quebec, in Canada, in, in, in Canada in, in October, and then in Moscow. There were already um, different uh, national symposium discussing about a museum definition in Germany. Uh, there will be another in, in, in Spain. There were already one, uh, uh, another one in, in Russia. So um, it's very interesting to see all of these uh, possibilities. But actually, the aim of um, this discussion is it's not only from a, a theoretical point of view, I, I mean. Uh, for all of the ICOM members, it's important to know, of course, what is a museum, because as a museum professional, you need to know more about the borders of your profession and about uh, of your, your group uh, of individuals of or institutions. It's also very important uh, that this ICOM um, museum definition is um, uh, is linked with the different, uh, the different national or international laws. It means that the ICOM definition is uh, belong now to a lot of national laws, but also, for instance, in the UNESCO uh, Declaration on Museums, it's the ICOM definition that is uh, given, etc. Of course, from a theoretical point of view, uh, for all of the students in museum studies or museology or in your professional life, it's also interesting to think about what is a museum. And then, of course, the ICOM definition is also a reference for what concerns all of these things. So, in 2007, um, the museum definition changed, I would say, radically. Before 2007, this is uh, how it uh, looked like the museum definition. It meant um, there was a short definition, but there was also lists of different institutions that were associated as a museum, such as, for instance, um, uh, science centers, but also zoological gardens, botanical gardens, libraries with exhibition spaces, etc. And the icon said, okay, all of these institutions are also belonging to the museum community, so we should, uh, of course, welcome them, and we should consider from that point of view as museums. So now in 2007, museum is a non-profit permanent institution. You know the, 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 uh, this definition. In the service of society and its development, open to the public, which acquires, conserves, research, communicates, and exhibits the tangible and intangible um, heritage of humanity and its environment for the purpose of education, study, and enjoyment. The structure of 
this definition is interesting to study. It starts with some legal terms. It's a permanent exhibition uh, institution and non-profits. It then speaks about the beneficiaries, and the terms are really interesting to, 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 to hear. It's for the society and it's for the public. And then it speaks about the functions of a museum, acquisition, conservation, study, exhibition, transmission. Then it speaks about what it does. It speaks about it's it's about the tangible and intangible heritage. That was one of the change uh, between 2001 and 2007. It speaks about intangible heritage, and then it speaks about the aim of the museum for the purpose of study, education, and enjoyment. We could translate this structure exactly as I said as legal beneficiary function objects and aims that's that is how it looks like somehow and actually it's interesting to know and to realize that this structure evolved a lot from 1946 it was much more simple it was very easy it spoke about the objects and then it has a, a very short list of what it was a museum then it continued to be changed from legal, it, it, it already spoke in 1961 uh, of legal functions, etc., and it continued to speak about that very important list of uh, institutions. This structure is very different from, for instance, the definition uh, used by the British Museums Association. If we could see it, museum enable people to explore collection for inspiration, learning, and enjoyment. They are institutions that collect safeguard and make accessible artifacts and specimens which they hold in trust for society. The structure is totally different. It doesn't start with legal terms. It starts in order to speak to the beneficiaries. And then there is something that do not exist uh, in the ICOM definition. It speaks about the action of the beneficiary. It enables people to explore the collections and the objects, and then it speaks about the aim, and then it speaks about the function of the museum, the objects, and then there is one specification, uh, a legal specif specification, and then it speaks again to the beneficiaries. What's more, it speaks about people, while uh, in the ICOM definition, the term is much bigger, but it's also more vague, I would say. It speaks about the society and the public. When you say museums enable people, you know, of course, it's kind of more um, important for the people also. Actually, a second important term and, and, and way to consider this museum uh, definition is to think about the different terms. So we asked to the, through the different conferences, what were the different terms that people wanted to change? Actually, they wanted to change mostly everything, but for, above all, for instance, the term uh, of permanency, non-profit, institution, study, were very much discussed. Enjoyment also was considered totally uh, unbelievable if you think about some specific uh, museum dedicated to the Holocaust, etc. How would you speak about enjoyment, for instance? Then what we do, what, what, what really realized also through the different uh, symposiums, such as the one in, in Paris, Buenos Aires, Rio, uh, St. Andrews, uh, and I mean, the, 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 uh, 
through the, the different uh, publications was the fact that most of the people were discussing about sometimes collection, about education, but above all about the social role of museum, about the uh, inclusion, about uh, participation, about all of these um, social issues that are supposed to be so important and more and more important. Especially, I would say, in Latin American countries, where it seems to be the priority, the top priority. Which means that, of course, the museum definition should be considered from that perspective much more than other classical, I would say, uh, perspectives such as collections, etc. At least for most of the museum professionals that we were uh, discussing with. Of course, also, uh, when you think about a new museum definition, you also think about new institutions, new potential institutions. Um, at a certain point, when the Science Center were created, they were not considered as museums. Now they are uh, considered by most of the people as, I would say, uh, belonging to the museum community. Um, there are some other new institutions, such in Brazil, the Pontos de Memoria, uh, that do not have any collection, that do not, that, that are not really permanent. Uh, of course, all of the, these different uh, cyber museum, uh, digital museums uh, through internet are also a very challenging way of considering uh, the museum. For-profit museums, should they belong, should, should they belong to the, 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 the museum community or not? All of these, uh, institutions, all of these establishments uh, are in discussion where you think about a, a new museum definition. Then, of course, also one of the last, uh, of my last topic is, of course, the, the question of the language. You know that um, uh, ICOM has three major languages, three official languages. English, of course, French, and then Spanish. But what about all of the other dominant languages, especially when we think that China, for instance, uh, has such an important role and will, of course, certainly play an important role in the 21st century. What about all of these language issues when you know that, as I said, they have such an important uh, role, they play such an important role when you conceive the museum definition? In French, the museum definition uh, was changed, uh, the, the ICOM museum definition was changed. The change in French was much more important than the change in English. In English, you had only um, the term uh, material, um, tangible and, and intangible uh, heritage, which is totally different for what concerned the uh, 2007 uh, French uh, museum definition. At that moment, for France, um, the museum definition, the concept of research, was really central, central to the museum uh, definition. It's not anymore in 2007. At that moment, qui fait des recherches concernant les témoins matériels de l'homme et de son environnement, it meant that makes some research concerning um, the witnesses of man and its environment. And because of it makes some research, it acquires, it conserves, it communicates these objects. Now, it means which acquires, conserves, research, communicates, and exhibits. 
An interesting also point for what concerns these, uh, these points is the fact that oh, uh, in 2007, the translation is not exactly the same between uh, French and English. In English, the aims are supposed to be education, study, and enjoyment. In French, it starts with study. À des fins d'études, d'éducation et de délectation. It means it starts with study and then education and then enjoyment. Of course, you might say it's equal, but then when you start with something, it means also that somehow you have started with something different. And of course, most of the people who were not English-speaking or uh, French-speaking were saying, well, what is the uh, real official translation? So, most of these issues um, are very important for what concerns, of course, not only ICOM, but the whole museum professional, uh, the whole museum profession and all museum professionals. What are the notions that could be obsolete? What could be the missing uh, notion? What could be the missing links, the missing terms? Should we need a potential change of the whole structure of the museum definition? Should we add some new institution? And above all, what are the values behind that museum definition? What are the values that ICOM or the whole museum um, sphere would like to, uh, to push, to underline? These are, of course, very important questions to debate, and that's the reason why ICOFOM decided to have these very interesting and challenging uh, museum symposiums. So, of course, one of the possibilities to continue after these um, uh, different conferences, uh, uh, the debate, uh, would be to see us in Kyoto uh, in order to continue the debate. And of course, I'm sure that after Kyoto, there will be uh, next steps in order to discuss the museum definition. I would like to thank you for your attention. Greetings from the desert of southern Arizona. My name is Alice Sadangi, and I'm a Native American belonging to the Kiowa and Tohono'otham tribes. The language I greeted you with is the Kiowa language. The Kiowa people are from southwestern Oklahoma. The Tohono'otham people are from southern Arizona. The word Tohono means desert, and the word Otham means people, hence they are called desert people. My tribal heritage encompasses two unique tribes differing linguistically, socially, and culturally. I point this out since there are still many non-native people who are unaware that tribal nations in the United States are not monolithic, but rather varied and distinct in cultural belief and practice. I would like to express my thanks to the organizing committee for inviting me to speak at this virtual conference. It is a different experience for me to share with you all in this manner and while I wish I could actually see all of you face to face, I will do my best to convey my thoughts. I shake hands with each and every one of you. I have been asked to speak on what I think the definition of a museum in the 21st century should be. I intend to respond primarily from a native or indigenous viewpoint because that is where my personal and professional experience comes from. 
I appreciate that such a perspective has been included in this conference since, in many cases, the Indigenous viewpoint is often overlooked. My elders have always told me to speak from the heart. In doing so, I am aware that my remarks may not align with the types of presentations that may typically appear at ICOM conferences, but nevertheless, I hope that what I have to say may still contribute to your discussion and debate. I would also like to acknowledge the work of tribal museums, their staff, vision, commitment, and expertise. I could not share their perspective with you all if they were not out there doing the hard work of cultural maintenance and ongoing expression. So we can think about this presentation as a story. Let me begin by sharing briefly my experience with tribal museums so you will know how it is I can speak about them. I began my professional museum career at the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. I was charged with developing and implementing museum training programs for tribes. The programs were held on different reservation communities throughout the United States and parts of Canada. As a result, I was able to meet and learn from a variety of tribes regarding their museum development. My work with tribal museums continued when I left the Smithsonian Institution and began work at the Arizona State Museum. During my time there, I managed a grant that was co-developed by five state libraries in Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, Nevada, and the Heard Museum in Phoenix, and the Arizona State Museum in Tucson. <clears throat> the goal of that project, which was funded by the Institute of Museum and Library Services, was to increase the services available to tribal libraries, museums, and archives. That project lasted approximately eight years, and the work that was accomplished laid the foundation for the creation of an organization dedicated to serving the needs of tribal libraries, archives, and museums. To make it more brief, I have had over 20 years of experience working with tribal communities on their cultural heritage organizations and projects. <clears throat> I think it is important to lay out several factors regarding tribal museums before I can share my definition of their next phase. I will provide some background information on their history and purpose and use some examples of several tribal museums to further illustrate. I will share how tribal museums are different from non-tribal ones, and I will also discuss how, in some ways, they may share commonalities. Let me begin by providing you with some context regarding tribal museums in the United States. <clears throat> I'm not sure of the exact number of tribal museums there are currently in existence, but I would hazard a guess of approximately 75 to 130, based on how strict the museum nomenclature is defined. <clears throat> tribal museums can be identified as cultural centers or repositories. They may be affiliated with educational institutions such as tribal colleges, and they may be nonprofit or a tribal government-controlled institution. The fluidity of definition speaks to how tribal communities regard the museum as an institution. Since the foundational concept of a museum is so far removed from traditional cultural practice, it is no surprise that there is still some variance on what to call it. While the presence of a tribal museum in the community has become more prevalent, there was a time when the idea of a museum was met with resistance due to the colonial nature and predatory role that museums played in the collecting and control of indigenous material culture. Tribal museum development was initially fueled in the 1970s by government block grants designed to promote tourism and generate economic development for tribes. While there may have been a few private, family-owned museums in existence before then, the bulk of initial development occurred during this time. 
The idea of museums and Native communities further took shape when federal legislation for the National Museum of the American Indian Act, NMAI, and the National Protection and Repatriation Act, NAGPRA, was enacted by Congress within one year of the other. The NMAI Act passed in 1989 and NAGPRA in 1990. The NMAI Act and NAGPRA, at their core, forced mainstream museums to rectify past injustices committed by archaeologists, curators, and collectors. For those of you unfamiliar with the NAGPRA legislation, the law requires all the museums in the United States that receive any kind of federal funding to provide inventories and summaries of sacred objects, objects of cultural patrimony, and human remains and funerary objects to all the tribes in the country that may have a cultural affiliation to those objects. Based on the information that the museum sends to tribes, tribes then request a consultation with the museum to begin the process of returning the objects or human remains back to the tribe. I was able to witness firsthand the implications of both congressional acts to tribal communities because at this time I also began working at the Smithsonian Institution. I worked under the auspices of the Office of Museum Programs and even though the initiative came from the newly created NMAI, there was so few staff at the NMAI since it had just been created, so the work fit easily under the Office of Museum Programs since that office had already had a history of providing training programs to tribal museums. One other initiative that was occurring during this time period came out of the National Park Service at the Department of the Interior, another federal agency. The Park Service had been directed to report to Congress on the funding needs for the protection of historic properties and cultural traditions on Native lands. An in-depth report entitled Keepers of the Treasures was produced that indicated many tribes are very concerned about the protection and revitalization of sacred sites, language, oral history, traditions, and lifeways. To quote from the report, tribes seek to preserve their cultural heritage as a living part of contemporary life. The report was published in 1990. For several years after that, the Keepers of the Treasures emerged as a loosely organized group that held an annual conference bringing together tribal cultural workers from an array of categories. This was a unique organization, but unfortunately its existence was dependent on funding and personnel from the National Park Service, and it eventually ceased operations. I share this history with you to give you a sense of the magnitude of activity that was occurring around tribal cultural heritage as a result of federal interest in legislation. There was heightened awareness of tribal material culture due to NAGPRA that enabled tribal cultural practitioners to come face to face with sacred and ceremonial objects that had been put away in museums, apart from tribes, and out of context for generations. There was an increased awareness of spiritual knowledge as tribal cultural practitioners had to painfully consider how to conduct appropriate reinternment ceremonies for human remains that had been exhumed and desecrated. There was opportunity to envision how the new National Museum of the American Indian would develop as tribes were consulted on the building design, exhibitions, and programs. And there was a training opportunity made available to tribes from the Smithsonian Institution that I was privileged to direct. Why would tribes want to have a museum in their community, especially since the idea of a museum for many Native people is associated with the history of disenfranchisement and colonial suppression? As I mentioned earlier, the federal government, through economic development block grants, provided an opportunity to establish museums on reservations and as with other federally imposed opportunities, tribes reacted to the promise of funding 
by obliging the purposes of the funding agency, in this case, to establish museums. Many, but not all, of the museums established then were virtual shells without any regard to providing training or education for the staff. As mentioned previously, the Smithsonian Institution has provided training since the 1970s, and other organizations followed suit up until present day. Similar to other programs that have been influenced, mandated, or imposed on tribes by the federal government, tribes have learned to make them work for their particular situations. Adapting Western models for tribal sensibility has been incurring for decades, but recently a renewed focus to reclaim or to indigenize institutions is gathering momentum and tribal museums are also part of this energy. I have established that the federal government in the 1970s and national legislation in the 1990s influenced the development of tribal museums. Particularly in the 1990s, the purpose of the tribal museum continued to be economic development but also included the need to instill pride in tribal communities, especially for children and youth. More recently, the purpose of tribal museums has evolved to actively support tribal sovereignty and to be the hub or repository of all cultural material, including documents and records related to one specific tribe. In other words, if information is sought regarding a particular tribe, one should be able to go to the tribal museum to access all culturally related material. <coughs> How do tribal museums express this purpose? They do it through exhibitions, programs, research, and collections, just as mainstream museums, but increasingly these functions are indigenized. Managing and interpreting tribal culture by tribal people is the overarching goal. What does this look like? I will spend some time describing to you the Macaw Cultural and Research Center, the MCRC, located in Mia Bay, Washington, because in my opinion, they have endeavored to make the museum institution their own since its inception. The Macaw tribe has had a museum since the 1970s. In their situation, the museum was not established with a government block grant, but the impetus was a major storm. The storm exposed an archeological site on their reservation that had some 500 years previous been covered by a mudslide. The Macaw tribe built the MCRC for the contents of the houses that had been preserved by the mudslide, guided by regard and respect for the material culture that was remarkably preserved in what archaeologists call a wet site, the MCRC created a center, or rather another house, to exhibit and care for the collection. Perceiving the museum as a house provides the appropriate context for the objects that were used by their ancestors. Taking the house context even further, the staff chose to manage the collection by storing objects together by the house in which the objects were found, thus keeping the household intact. They also chose to use their heritage language in cataloging the household. By using the language, the staff created their own collections management system that uses their language, thus reawakening Macaw ways of thinking and reinforcing Macaw worldview. For example, Traditional canoes, in their language, means a container for people. As a result, canoes are cataloged among other containers, such as baskets and boxes. Some of the collections are separated to honor the gender roles and restrictions that objects may have. The cost sensibilities also inform the makeup of the governing board. Adhering to customary governing methods, the board is made up of representatives of certain families. 
When the MCRC was created, the founding staff thought broadly about the purpose of the institution and took into account that they were tasked with honoring their ancestors. The MCRC includes archives and a language program and promotes community access to the collections, collections that have direct association with their ancestors. This ability to think broadly or holistically about what should be included in the MCRC differs from the mainstream practice that relies heavily on categorizing events and genres. While the MCRC and other tribal museums offer standard museum tours and education programs, even gift shops, in my experience, the one area that has been indigenized the most would be in the area of collections management. Because tribal museums focus on only one tribal culture, it is somewhat easier to incorporate what is called traditional curation methods that are tribal specific. As I mentioned earlier, managing and interpreting, and I would add caring for tribal culture by tribal people is the overarching goal for tribal museums. Reclaiming authority to tell one's narrative and to care for objects in culturally relevant ways is essentially a political act and an expression of cultural sovereignty. I would like to elaborate on the term traditional curation. Historically, in mainstream museums, the voice of authority came only from the curator. The curator's knowledge of the object was then subject to the standard museum method of analysis, interpretation, and cataloging. As tribal museums strive to care for, manage, and interpret their own tribal material culture, there is room now for the tribal museum to establish curatorial roles and practice that are aligned more with native ways of knowing. For example, the concept of being in relationship for native people includes not only people and family, but includes how an individual stands in relationship to the natural world around them. The natural world itself is a living relative, so great care is taken to respect the land, air, sky, oceans, rivers, clouds, animals, and plants. For some tribes, particular cultural objects are imbued with life and may at times require social interaction by a caretaker or keeper to either refresh the spirit of the object or to ritually retire it. The idea then that objects exist in a social realm of relationship would be, would be incomprehensible to the historical curator. Thus, curatorial practices have not addressed it. Since the passage of NAGPRA, some mainstream museums have tried to incorporate these traditional curation methods, but they fall short, lacking the lived experience that guides such care. As tribal museums evolve to include more traditional curation practices for their collections, this becomes easier to implement if the care is determined by tribal members working in concert with traditional cultural practitioners. To go back to the McCall Cultural and Research Center, their practice of using language, organizing the collection by household, and applying gender restrictions for handling are all examples of traditional curation methods. Other examples of traditional curation used by tribal museums include allowing tribal members to use regalia and other items from the collections in ceremony, returning them after use. Another example is to allow for knowledgeable cultural practitioners to ritually cleanse certain objects and interact with them if they are in a tribal museum collection. A more practical application of culturally relevant care or traditional curation is to allow tribal members to store family heirlooms or regalia at the museum. The key word here is use. I would say that tribal museums value use of the objects as much as mainstream museums value attendance numbers. 
In the area of facilities and operations, tribal museums share the same concerns as other museums. Since the 1990s, more tribal museums have been developed, and those that have been around for a while are seeking to refine, refresh, and update their long-term exhibits. But tribal cultural heritage, as defined by tribal people, is holistic and encompasses ceremony, ritual, memory, language, and lifeways. It is living and changing and not limited to one institutional category, such as a museum or cultural center. As a result, many tribal museums give as much weight to including a language program or having a traditional garden, elder center with kitchen facilities, or artist studios as part of their museums as they do having an exhibition space or collection. Therefore, the name for the museum must also be broad. It almost seems standard now for tribes to use their own heritage language in naming their museum, which is a great method, but that had not been used as much when I first entered the field. I mentioned earlier that tribal communities are fluid in their own definition of a museum, and using native language to convey the purpose of the museum further emphasizes that. For example, the Tumusalit Cultural Institute on the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation in Eastern Oregon roughly translates to mean interpreter. The Atafiki on the Big Cypress Seminole Indian Reservation in Florida means a place to learn, a place to remember. The Zibiwig Center of Anishinaabe Culture and Lifeways means by the river. The Akchin Himduk Eco Museum means way of life. The name of the place where tribes celebrate and share their culture resonate with a much larger scope than mainstream museums. Their audience is primarily tribal community members that include young children and elders as well. Some tribal museums have dedicated space for community gatherings. In the case of the Suquamish Museum in Washington State, the very presentation of cultural information is done in a way that honors the passing on of traditions through the generations and seeks to disengage from Western linear understanding of history. Unlike mainstream museums, tribal museum construction and general operations are typically funded by tribal gaming revenues, if the tribe has a gaming operation, not all of them do, and supplemented by grants or other income-generating sources. Since tribes have been able to offer gaming facilities on reservations in the United States, the economic outlook for many tribes has increased and tribes have been able to support their museums. Museums built after the mid-90s, in particular, are beautiful structures, and the architecture, in many instances, also reflect tribal cultural symbols, colors, or are new interpretations of traditional design motifs and materials. Over the last several years, some tribal museums have made the decision to promote energy-saving resource conservation methods into their facilities maintenance. To pay attention to resource conservation is also another acknowledgement of indigeneity. The best, this is best illustrated at the Tumusalit Cultural Institute, where wind turbine and solar panels were installed. Reading from press releases, quote, Tumusalit's solar energy project called Hisimtuks in Nez Perce, meaning the sun as well as moon or luminary. Last year's construction of a wind turbine and the current addition of the solar panels recognize how the sun and wind helped our ancestors preserve traditional foods for storage. Now, these same two resources are helping us care for the planet and reduce our electric bill. In the really big picture, the tribes care about salmon, we care about water quality, 
We care about air quality, said Tomasolix direct, Director Bobby Connor. We are taught to care about everyone that lives here. On another level, the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation have specifically adopted energy policies, land use codes, and tribal goals to exercise sovereignty by achieving economic and energy independence." Unquote. My experience with tribal museums has given me the opportunity to comment on their history, purpose, and their unique ways of managing collections and operations. There are so many tribal museums that are beautifully constructed and that raise awareness of tribal culture to tribal members and visitors alike. My hope is that tribal museums continue to evolve. I don't see every tribal community having one, but for those who determine that one would be useful, they have many tribal museum models to fashion into their own unique institution. I recall a comment I heard when the Thon Atham Cultural Center and Museum, the Himda Ki, which means Way of Life House, was celebrating its opening. The museum is state of the art and reflects a desert palette of colors. A child was wide-eyed at seeing the exhibit spaces, library, and meeting rooms, and asked one of the staff incredulously, this is for me? To which the staff replied, yes, this is yours. And the child beamed with pride. My definition of a tribal museum for the 21st century would be for them to continue to instill pride for the young people who face increasing threats to their very survival due to the encroachment of drug use, gang violence, and other social pressures. The suicide rates for youth in Indian country is high. Recent studies have shown that those with knowledge of their language and culture are better able to withstand and to recover from social ills and the lingering effects of historical trauma that have been passed down through the generations. Indeed, the ties to tribal ways of being have served to sustain, energize, and guide our people, and it will continue to do so. Tribal museums can serve as a valuable resource and as an entree to increase knowledge and exploration of tribal culture. I would not, however, like to see the transmission of cultural practice in a tribal museum. My hope is that that expression occur in community and ceremony unbound by the confines of a museum. The tribal museum of the 21st century will offer exhibits that reflect not only the needs and issues of the local tribal community, but the larger world around them, like the Upchin Himduk Eco Museum in central Arizona. They have responded to the health issues of their community by mounting an exhibit on diabetes, and they have also recently opened an exhibit that draws attention to their heritage language that is also under threat. The Zibuig Center of Anishinaabe Culture and Lifeways in Michigan used their gallery space to invite artistic expressions of support for the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline, as well as to other threats to their environment. The Tribal Museum of the 21st Century will increase the use of their heritage language in managing and cataloging collections, thus reawakening tribal cognition. The Tribal Museum of the 21st Century will continue to be guided by their regard and honor of ancestors and will encourage the application of cultural practice in as many ways as they can. Perhaps the mainstream museum of the 21st century can reflect some of these definitions as well, thus making their institutions more holistic, welcoming, and relevant. Thank you once again for the opportunity to comment, and thank you for listening. Aho.
Alice, thank you so much. If you could please keep your camera on. And Francois, if you wouldn't mind turning on your camera and joining us, uh, given the fact that we have a 15-minute buffer with panel one, we're going to take the opportunity to allow some questions for both Francois and Alice. Um, the first question will actually be from Susie Chung, who um, introduced both of them. But uh, just to reiterate, if you have questions for our speakers during the Q&A session, there's a little icon at the top of the screen. Um, it's a figure with a raised hand. You would just want to click on that. Oh, I will you. see the raised hand. And then I will go through, and I will be able to um, I'll be able to activate your microphone. Uh, unfortunately, given time, we won't be able to get to all questions if we have a lot of um, attendees who have questions. But I will do my best to fairly distribute those questions throughout. So Susie, if you would like to go ahead with the first question, and I'll monitor to see who else might have questions. Yeah. So I think I wanted to kind of wrap up very briefly in a couple of sentences what Francois presented and what Alice presented. I think the importance that this combination of the presentation stressed the importance of a social role. And um, for Alice, I think the uh, stress on the terminologies were youth, indigeneity, and keepers of treasures. And I think um, to ask uh, uh, Francois the question, so how should we emphasize the social role as noted as a significant function, as you've shown us through all the symposia and, and between you two as well, within the redefinition process? Oh. Well, actually, I don't know exactly how it would, it, it would be possible to, to emphasize it. I, I suppose that, well, it's, it's a kind of question of equilibrium, because in a museum definition, you have just one or two sentences uh, somehow. So it means that some, sometimes it's just a kind of one, one or two words um, more that could balance the museum definition, uh, such as maybe uh, inclusion or uh, participation, etc. It really depends on. Um, also because, of course, um, I would say not a majority, a lot of uh, museums do believe that uh, their social role is more and more important. But this is also just one part of the world that thinks like that. It's, if you just um, Think about the museum situation in, in China, for instance. The um, situation is totally different also. And uh, participation or social inclusion is not exactly what they would uh, set as their first priority. So it's, it will be really interesting to, to see how it would be possible to, to, to think about that. That's the first point. The second point would be also that um, a museum definition is one thing. Um, the explanation around the museum definition uh, is something different also and, and might be more important to stress uh, and, and to put uh, in order to illustrate what is, for instance, the ICOM museum definition um, and to show all of the uh, aims, the objective of that museum definition. Uh, maybe it's not possible to make it in one or two sentences. That's, that's the point also. Thank you. 
again, I know that it wasn't written into the schedule, but we do have an opportunity for questions um, at this point in time. Uh, we are going to extend the keynote speaker's time until about 11.40 if there are questions from attendees. If not, um, we can follow the, the same schedule and break for lunch, but I did want to offer that opportunity at this point. Um, to reiterate, if you have a question, there is a small icon at the top of the screen uh, that looks like a person with its hand raised. If you click on that icon, I can then activate your microphone and I will announce you and you will be able to ask your question. Well, if that, oh, nobody has questions. I have a question for Alice. So if we were to create a definition within the United States how do you think we could combine the nation's outlook and Native America outlook within a common definition? Or do you think we should have one or shouldn't have one? I think that if you have, I think that the discussion of the purpose of the museum definition is is required for uh, the function of these museums throughout the world in relation to their governments and and society. And I'm not sure if the tribal museum folks um, necessarily need to have that same sort of definition. It goes it goes back to uh, everyone being different. Every tribe is different. Uh, every nation is different. They have a, a language that's different. Not everyone has a museum. But I think that um, so I think that um, it's good for ICOM to do that. But I don't know if the tribal museums necessarily need to do that as well. It just it also kind of enforces this idea of making something a policy, making something written down, trying to codify things, which is against the grain of how tribes think typically. I mean, it's more holistic. It's, it includes all kinds of things. And I think in, as we go forward, there's room for that even more. Um, so if anything, maybe it would be for uh, the museums of the United States is to consider to be more um, more open or more more uh, flexible, maybe in their in their definition. Yes, and I think you brought up a very good point about languages, and that's um, something that one of our past museologists he uh, had emphasized in his conceptual uh, papers in Icofan. His name was Ivo Marjevich. And he um, emphasized the importance of the continuation of language. And, um, and that just reflects on what exactly what you're talking about right now, about a holistic approach. Thank you, Susie, Francois, and Alice. I really appreciate you taking the time to engage in these conversations. I know that we had not planned for a Q&A, but um, Flexibility is always great, so I do appreciate that. Um, if there are no more questions.
Great. So at this time, we're going to break for lunch. I'm going to put up another poll for everybody. Um, this will be our second poll for the day. Um, I'm also going to include the link for attendance again. Uh, we would love to be able to collect attendance information so that we know who attended. Um, I'm also going to put up a link to the podcast series that has been mentioned a few times earlier. Um, most of our participants took uh, the time out of their day to record a podcast. Um, and there is some great information there and an opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about their background as well as the work that they're doing. So that, that link will also appear on the screen. Um, so we will begin the first panel around 12.10 rather than at 12 o'clock. I thank you again for your flexibility. Um, as I said, we have one fewer presenter in that panel, so this will keep us um, closer to the time that we've allotted throughout the day. So thank you, everybody. Um, we will end the videos right now. I will put up the, the links to the um, poll, the podcast series, and attendance. And we will see you again at 1210. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.